With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, Micah Chen here from Cascadia Preps. Looking for the best coverage of high school football? Cascadia Preps is your number one stop for all things high school football, team rankings, game analysis, and weekly podcasts from around the state. Visit us today at CascadiaPreps.com. Five, four. Welcome into Huffman and Spencer for March 2nd, 2022. I'm your host, Ryland Spencer of Cascadia Preps. Along with me, as always, Brandon Huffman of the Avery Huffman DIPG Foundation and 24-7 Sports. Mr. Huffman, how are we doing? Living the dream, Ryland. I look out and I see gray skies because that means it's March <laughs> in the state of Washington. There's been some crazy weather the last few days, man. I looked outside at one point, and I live, I think I've said it before, I live like back in the woods, and so we have a gravel driveway. I looked out at one point, I was like, if I want to go get the mail, I need to hop on like an arc real quick or something because there ain't no way to like to get down my driveway. It's pretty crazy. I mean, yesterday was like we had pouring rain in the morning and then we had sun in the afternoon. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Well, I saw what is the uh, what's the hill there in Auburn, the East Hill? I saw like Lee Hill. Yeah. So it's like collapsing or something over there. Collapsing. It is great because when you have an opportunity to have a mudslide, be on the on the same road that your daughter drives to get to school. You know, as a parent, you love that. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what you want to wake up to every day, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's where you're getting text messages. Did you get there safe? Did you get there safe? Oh, and trust me, we were asking those questions. Yeah, and all you're doing is driving across town. You're not even, like, not even going very far. Exactly. I'm like, hey, you're taking the back way to school today. Yeah, exactly. Um, hey, masks are coming off here in the state of Washington, Brandon. Yeah, baby. Masks are coming now. You know, we talked about the masks and the uh, Avery Huffman DIPG Foundation. So what's going on over there? How can people get involved if, if they can't buy masks or if they have no reason to buy masks? Although, you know what? And I shouldn't say this, but about this time last year, I think I even said, yeah, masks, you know, we're starting to get, you know, a little bit of relief there. But, hey, that doesn't mean you can't still buy masks because you'll probably need them in the future. I don't want to say that again because that was like a year ago. Well, you could say it because this is the state of Washington we live in, the state that puts its mask mandates like three weeks from now all for there to be enough time to reverse on it. So you might as well buy a mask anyway, because I don't think we're ever not going to wear them. Uh, but you can buy masks. You can support the foundation with some of the left, uh, the remaining gear we have before our next gear launch. 
this fall. Uh, we will be announcing probably in the next seven to 10 days our, our first funding opportunity that we have as a foundation. So things are, are going really well. Amanda and I are going to be heading down to Northern California in April to meet with the leading researcher in the DIPG field. Uh, we donated Avery's tumor to her hospital for research. It's been shared at 30 hospitals around the world. Uh, so we're going to go down there and meet with her and, and continue our support. So a lot of exciting things are happening in our industry. I would like to, to take a moment. I know, um, you know your good buddy, Steve Willits, who's a friend of the program. Yeah as well um, a young lady who had dipg she was a former i want to say she went to mariner high school maybe everett high school wrestler there emily hood uh, she passed away of dipg on tuesday morning i know steve had done a number of events uh, as an mc for her um, our foundation she was our bravery award winner in 2019 uh, but our thoughts and prayers to her family uh, as she passed away a former wia athlete herself emily hood so you know, those are the kind of cases that we're trying to prevent. The, the families that, you know, have to say goodbye, we're hoping that those don't happen to be the case. And so with people's support, we're putting ourselves in a position to, you know, take that horrible time away from these families. Now, you said it was shared at over 30, like, places or whatever, hospitals or whatever. The tumor itself was shared? So cells from the tumor, um, we donated her, I know this is a horrible thing to say on the air, but I'll say it anyway. We donated her brain and her tumor to Stanford and cells, active cell lines that are allowing for the research to be done have been shared throughout 30 different hospitals in the world. It's also at Fred Hutchinson, Seattle Children's Hospital as well. In fact, the intern, uh, or not the intern, but the assistant at the lab at Stanford now runs the DIPG line at Fred Hutchinson Cancer Center. And we support that hospital and Dr. Batanza, who spoke at our gala a couple years ago. Uh, so even locally, the hospitals are being able to use Avery's tumor for their own research purposes to find a cure. It's one of those things that it's like, you wish you never had to do it, but like, that is really cool. Like, yes. that is really cool how that works. Like, I, I, I'll admit it. I, when, when they say it's, you know, donated for science or whatever like i always just assume it's like going to a place and those people are working on it but it's pretty cool that it goes to like so many different places i mean that is i didn't even know that was like a thing you know what i mean well, like oh we're gonna transport cells from stanford up to the city of seattle like what like <laughs> i also you know i'm a smart ass by nature i like to be that um, yeah and, you know hey my daughter's brain got her into Stanford. So, you know, there are a lot of parents that are right. dreaming the same for their children. So I got that going for me. We, we, we use humor, humor to get us through the day. Yeah. But you know what? That's a, that's a good way to look at it though. That's a glass half full, right? Like, exactly. So yeah. I got my kid at Stan, one kid's brain got her into Stanford and, you know, waiting to see where the other three go to college. Be sure to check out the Avery Huffman DIPG Foundation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Avery Strong DIPG, or AveryStrongDIPG.org for everything that is going on over there. Brandon, speaking of the, like, <laughs> this sounds awful. I can't believe I was about to say this. Speaking of, like, young girls, the Girl Scout cookies are back. <laughs> All right? That's a horrible setup right there, but I didn't know any other way to put it because I kind of wrote it that way without other stuff in front of it. And I was reading something today, and it kind of blew me away. All right, it's this this I don't remember where this was from. Might have just been from Twitter, but it says here, from five-year-old daisies to sixteen-year-old senior scouts, girls are often forced to bear angry tirades from adults who want to lecture them about healthy eating, moan about the price hikes, or rant about the group's rumored link to Planned Parenthood. Hmm. Okay, first off, here, people, I got a little something to say. Am I happy about the heist price or price hikes? Am I happy about it, Brandon? No. 
It used to be you could get a box of them for a couple of bucks. Now they're what, five, six? I don't even know what they are. But is that going to stop me from buying? No. Now, if I'm going to complain to somebody, am I really going to show up at like, you know, Top Foods or whatever? I don't even know what the names of the, some of the grocery stores are now. Am I going to show up there and when the little girls outside yell at her about the price? Like, what are we doing? Why is that even happening? Why are people mad and like yelling about that? And then you're going to show up and when a, when a little girl says to you, hey, would you like to buy some cookies? You're going to yell at them about the, the, the healthy aspect of it because, oh, that one box of cookies is going to throw off your whole entire diet. Like, it's not like Girl Scout cookies are sold year round and they're selling a billion of them. Like, oh, I don't know, a McDonald's cheeseburger. But yeah, don't go in and yell at the guy behind the counter, do you? No, but let's yell at a little girl. Like, what are we doing here? So I think my question for you becomes, one... Healthy eating, price hikes. Would you ever yell at a Girl Scout cookie? Absolutely not. They bring <laughs> great joy to people with their Girl Scout cookies. In fact, my wife this year decided that, you know, and I understand where she was coming from. She made a good business decision that, you know what, we need to stop eating really bad sugary foods. So she didn't order any Girl Scout cookies. But this is why my son's my favorite son. He went rogue. And a friend of his from high school who still is a part of the Girl Scouts program was selling Girl Scout cookies. So Cade, knowing that his mom was not going to be providing the Girl Scout boxes, bought five boxes himself and made sure to get a box of tagalongs for me and then decided to like drop it off with me when he knew that mom was at home to make sure that I got to enjoy it. So, you know, get you a son like that who understands it. When your wife is holding out the Girl Scout cookies on you, your son's got your back. Now, okay, Brandon, does does Greg Biggins, does he have the ability to like give kids stars? He does. He absolutely does. Okay, then my plea is so to Greg you Biggins. Your lack of stars just playing Biggins. Greg.biggins yes. at csinteractive.com. Here's my plea, and I know he doesn't listen to the show, and I don't blame him. Somebody out there needs to tweet him and let him know right now that Cade Huffman deserves stars. Yep. Like, I mean, because I know you're not going to do it because he's your son. Like, you, you can't yep. do that. That kid deserves four stars at a minimum. I agree. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a kind of five-star type of move. It really is, especially because he got the right kind. The tagalongs are yep. the best. I don't care what anybody says. That being said, the trefoils—I think that is what they're called—the shortbread cookies. Those are oh, a close. Yeah. Those are a close second. Everything else can pretty much go to hell. Like thin mints. Why are you eating thin mints? Like I don't want a mint as a cookie. By the way, I don't care what anybody—they're vegan, so that instantly makes me not want to eat it. The uh, I had some of the toffee ones. I think they were. Those were pretty good. Not gonna lie, those were those are pretty good, um, but the other ones like I've I've never been able to get behind the Samoas, like why why do I want toasted coconut on a cookie? Like I I, I don't know, but that being said, I I just <laughs> all of this just cracks me up. Like Listen, if you want thin mints, just go to Olive Garden and wait for the leftovers on this mints that they give you with a bill, <laughs> and just eat those because without the crunch, they're essentially the same thing, folks. What are those? Is it Andes? The Andes, whatever. Yeah, like little chocolate mint thingies. When I was a kid, you could go to like any restaurant and they had like a little thing of them. And you remember they were like a nickel or something at the front or like a dime. Oh, yeah. And then and then they like I don't you don't really see them very many places anymore. And a lot of places maybe went more to like the uh, was it like the peppermint sucking candy or whatever it is. Yep. Like you mm-hmm. can get some of that stuff. Those are awful. Like those are just not good. Like the Rock offers dum dums on your way out. Yes, which I always stop and get. 
Yep. Um, by the way, cherry is the best flavor. I don't care what anybody says about that. Okay, watermelon would like a word. <laughs> well, it just cracks me up, though, when I see this stuff. And I was like, there's really people out there yelling at Girl Scouts about, like, cookies. Like, you're so mad that with with everybody else's eating that you have to tell Girl Scouts that they should not be selling cookies. Are you going to go yell at QFC? They have a whole damn aisle dedicated to cookies. Mm-hmm. Like, what do we – by the way, and I don't – look, I, I'm always going to order a couple of boxes of Girl Scout cookies because I like to support the Girl Scouts, and they're good, obviously. But I'm sorry, like the $6 – I think it's $6 now. You know, I can go get like a couple big things of Oreos for that same price. I mean, I really can <laughs> Like, I get it. It's not the Girl Scouts. They're not the ones determining their price, you know. I mean, in a way, like, it's the cookie manufacturer, whatever it is. Like, I get it, but, you know, the price is a little high, I will say that. But you won't see me yelling at, at you know, little little Jennifer standing out there with her mom, you know, in front of Safeway as I go in to try to get, you know, some milk or something. But Which, by the way, I have done that before where I showed up to the Safeway. And I was going in for, you know, a couple specific things. And I ended up walking out with literally a gallon of milk. And like two boxes of Girl Scout cookies, and I couldn't even remember what the hell else I was going there for. I have done that before. Yeah, it, it happens. Like you know, when you go to Costco to just get laundry soap, and you walk out having sampled seventeen different foods, you ordered a hot dog and brought a pizza home to go, plus a churro, and you're wondering why you ended up with uh, little mini egg rolls and mini corn dogs in your basket, and how you just spent three hundred dollars when all you wanted was laundry soap. By the way, that um, what is the uh, the the Chicken bake, the Costco chicken bake. Oh, so badly underrated. I mean, so badly underrated. Everybody, and don't get me wrong, the hot dogs are phenomenal. The Polish dog is great. Like, I, I love it. My sister, this is no joke, for Christmas actually got my dad Polish dogs for from Costco. That was what she, and you know what she got me? And, and I don't know if she did this as like a joke or if she, like, maybe I need to take this to heart a little bit, but she got me, like, I don't even know what it is, like four giant packs of toilet paper. And I'm like, all right, so I don't need toilet paper for the rest of the year. But, like, I mean, I guess there would have been worse gifts to get, you know? Like, all right, okay. Like, I don't know what she was trying to pull this year, but maybe <laughs> she just didn't have time to do shopping. And so she just pulled it right out of the uh, pantry or something. Like uh, like on The Office, remember the uh, the thing with Jim getting uh, Creed's uh, oh, jacket? Yes. Yeah. And he's like, when he's like, oh, I think he just went to his closet and pulled this out. And then they show Creed and he goes, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> Speaking of, where do you stand on the onions on your hot dog? Absolutely. Absolutely. First off, I'm a big onion guy as it is. Um, when I used to go to, um, oh, what was the name of that place? Outback Steakhouse. Yes. There's one up the street from my house. They had the burger where you can – they, they'd give you like a giant list of toppings you could put on it. I would literally get uh, diced onions, grilled onions, and uh, what, do you, what do you, like deep fried, whatever that's called. I can't remember what those – crinkle onions or something. I would literally get all three. I just like it. I love onions. I just did. Now, but Costco got rid of the onions for the hot dogs. What? What kind of witchcraft are we doing, Costco? Well, I don't know if you got rid of the of the uh, the Polish dogs, but now you're getting rid of the onions too. Are uh, are onions Russian? So like, they're just trying to eliminate it because they support Ukraine. They they say it has to do with <laughs> stupid COVID, but come on, man. Oh, <laughs> get out of here. I'm so tired of the of the whole like using COVID as an excuse for everything. Like, oh, we can't get that right now because of COVID. Oh, really? Did farmers stop growing onions because of COVID? Is that is that what happened here? Like, <laughs> exactly. Just give me my freaking onions. By the way, the uh, 
I don't know if you remember, and I don't know if they still do this. Maybe uh, like at Husky games, it used to be, and I and I, I only noticed this maybe at basketball, but I'm sure football did it too. It used to be they had like that machine where you would like crank it and it would just spit out onions out the side, yes. and they were the dehydrated, you know, and like they just slap water on it. Or I'm sorry, but those are great. Those are great onions, man. Oh, dude, those are those are like what people think of when they think of onions for a hot dog. Yes, like like thinly chopped, like it's barely even. You could, like if you just picked up one and took a bite, you might not even know it's an onion. But you got a handful of them, you toss them in, and it tastes like an onion. Exactly. Oh, and so you get a little bit of mustard. Somehow, I don't know how mustard always ends up on the underside of my hand, like just yeah. below my pinky. But when I go to Costco and I put my mustard on my onions on my dog. There's still always an ends up being like a one inch long mustard streak on the side of my hand. And I've never been able to figure out how it's been done, but it's like death taxes. A mustard streak always ends up on the underside of my hand. It's like witchcraft. Yeah, it does. Doesn't it? I didn't even think about that. It totally does. Like 100% you end up with mustard. It's always on like your pinky finger on like the side of your pinky finger. How and does that happen? It smells good. It tastes good. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to lick it. Right. But like, absolutely. T- tell me this. Are you a uh, are you a mustard guy on your uh, pretzels? Yeah, but I'm more of a cheese guy with my pretzels too. Yeah. I, see, I don't. I'm not a big fan of like stone mustard or deli yeah, me mustard. Neither. That you know, I'll eat honey mustard, but I don't really like the Dijon grape poupon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. None of that. I like it on like certain things, maybe like a roast beef sandwich or something, or like corned beef, like like. And but I don't want very much of it because it's overpowering. I just want like it, uh, the same as uh, horseradish. Like I like horseradish, but it has to be very like minimal. Like I just want a little bit of the flavor. I don't need it like you know the smell coming out my nose when I'm trying to eat something. But when it comes to like like pretzels, I'm with you on the cheese. I, I'm also a guy that I like to get. Uh, I like to get the salted pretzel. And then brush all the salt off of it. Because what ends up happening is you get just a little bit of salt left over, you know, that like made it stick or whatever. Yes. So you get just a little bit left over. But if you're eating the actual like giant crystals of salt, I think it just becomes too much. I like just a little bit of it. But man, yeah, you dip that in some nacho cheese. I don't have a problem with it. When I go to Thunderbird games, if I get a pretzel, and I don't get them all the time, but if I get a pretzel, I usually get the cheese with it. And then I'll go over and in the little cup thingy, I'll put a little bit of mustard because you dip it in the mustard. I, somebody turned me on to that about 10 years ago, and I was like, really? Mustard? Of all things. Like, why would mustard be good? And I did it. And I was like, wow. Oh, wow. That's good. Here's the crazy thing about those salts. Like, I'm always amazed how they stick to the pretzel, especially how easy they come off the pretzel. Like, it's the most bizarre gravitational yeah. pull ever that you could just, like, blow on it, and then the salt comes off. But yeah, it also, for this big clump, sticks to it really well. Do they put those on before they cook, or is that something that like they add afterwards? I think they do it afterwards, because in my days of working in the Italian food industry, also known as Sabaro, back when I was in high school, we were right by the, what was it, hot dog on a stick and had the pretzels, yeah. and you'd see them take a spray bottle of water ah. just on the outside and then put that salt on it. I was going to say, what kind of glue, do, like, do they got like some salt glue, but you're saying they just like spray water? Spray water and the salt somehow sticks. I guess it may be like makes the salt the salt sticky on the side or something it has to be but it was it always tripped me out how like they could get it to stick yeah huh that's weird yeah i i I like salt on it just like i like um you know like i like salted sunflower seeds but i actually come to find out that the low sodium or whatever like those are actually pretty dang good too like not gonna lie okay and they don't destroy your mouth 
we need to have a very important conversation there. Okay. Let's talk sunflower seeds. Yeah. As somebody who eats four to five bags of sunflower seeds a week. Yep. Me too. In 2016, I officially retired from David's sunflower seeds and I made the move to Spitz. And I'm a big Spitz fan, but I think their barbecue ones are the best one. But have you ever had the dill pickle Spitz sunflower seeds? So here's the thing. I'm an original guy. I pretty much only eat original. That being said, every now and then, a new flavor comes out. Mm -hmm. And when I see something that's intriguing, like a dill pickle, I'll give it a shot. I'm a David guy. I'm not a Spitz guy. But that being said, I have tried it. And I, was, I wasn't I was sold, but it was definitely intriguing. Like, it it, it, uh, it piqued my interest. Let me say that. Sure. Like I was like, I'm not going to lie. These are interesting. And the, my only thing with, with, like, different flavors I can get like a random bag of the ranch flavored or a random bag of the barbecue flavored, but I can't buy it every single time. You know, it's every now and then in the summertime, hey, it's a nice day. The window's going to be down. I got a decent little drive. Maybe I'll grab a bag of uh, barbecue to a ranch, you know, but I'm never going to like buy back to back bags of barbecue. That's just not who I am. That's not how I operate. That being said, what's your take on the dill pickle? I, I like them. I think they are a nice change where they got like a, a sweetness to them, even though they're obviously pickle. They're they're not like the chili lime ones are really good too. I, I like those. The black pepper ones are good, but the dill pickle are kind of like low key, super underrated and very tasty. Yeah, I like dill pickle. Like I, I like it on a lot of different things. I, as a matter of fact, I. Uh, Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Is this now two months ago? It was a few months ago. I finally had the uh, the pickle pizza down there at um, uh, what's the place down in Puyallup? Oh, uh, Fat Zach's. Yeah, I finally had the pickle pizza. Yeah, that's pretty damn good. Like, very weird, but very good. Like pickle on a pizza. Never would have thought I'd like that combo, but it is very very good. I gotta say, um, yeah, dill pickle is just something I can always get on board with. I just always can. Like I I remember in in high school, you know, you'd go through the cafeteria and. I'd get the uh, I, I got like a chicken sandwich every day. It's, it's just you know the crispy chicken whatever sandwich and the you know basically a mick chicken is what I would get every day, and uh, I would always use the tongs and grab like a big old chunk of pickles and just eat them. That's just what I did. I would just eat pickles. I don't know why. I ever since I was a little kid, I've always loved pickles. Even to this day, if it's one a.m., I wake up and I'm kind of hungry or something. A lot of times I'll just go grab a pickle and eat it. <laughs> I mean, pickles are a great 
So when I whenever I go through my phase where I need to lose weight and everything, I'll have my pickle as a dessert, or I'll go, you know, Jimmy John's. If you get a sandwich at Jimmy John's, you can get oh, yeah. a pork pickle for a buck instead of chips. Yep. Yeah, and their pickles are great. So good. Yeah, their pickles are really, really good. Um, we have not talked any football at this point, so let's talk football. Uh, you know, I've seen some well, things. We mentioned Husky Stadium with the onions, so we kind of did. Oh yeah, we did. Technically, we were already on the topic. Um, I, I was I was looking around at some things this week, and I kind of started getting into some stuff, and I'm like, you know what? The director of player personnel position is an interesting one in college football because, uh, you know, it all started in what like two, it was like oh five or oh six with the uh, the coach who's now at Georgia Tech. Yep. Um, Jeff it, Collins. Yeah, as I say, Jeff Collins, I believe, and you know, he actually, in a way, kind of used it to, like, jumpstart his career almost, um, which worked out great. Like, he he's a very good coach, and he's worked his way up, and I, I, I'm a fan of the guy. But director of player personnel back then was not really a thing. Saban took it to a whole nother level, and it's just kind of slowly grown and evolved like anything does in football. But the thing that's interesting to me, back then and even up until – you know, just a few years ago, it was director of player personnel was very much a, a kind of an older position. Guys that, uh, you know, had been in the game for a while. Guys, you know, uh, had done their dues as, say, a tight ends coach and, you know, maybe wasn't going to make it up to being an offensive coordinator. And so, hey, we'd love to have him on staff, but maybe we don't have a spot for him. Director of player personnel. It seems like it's becoming a young man's game. And, and, and the the reason I bring it up and kind of a couple of guys I want to talk about here are two guys that are local, two guys that have ties. Uh, actually, both guys are Kinko, so Kinko is king again. But um, <laughs> Marshall Charrington, who we all know was at Dogman for a while. Uh, he's from Redmond High School. I believe he played basketball there. Um, I don't know how much basketball he actually played. Might have just been a, a talent hype guy, you know what I mean? But no offense to Marshall. I love the guy. But the, also, he'd be very good at like a towel hype guy. Um, but, you know, he, he was – he went to USC uh, for college and, um, you know, worked his way up through, what was he? He was like equipment and then into yep. recruiting. Like, this is a guy that paid his dues through a lot of it, and he's very, very good at what he does. And he's worked his way up. Now he's the director of player personnel down at Cal. Silas Clapham is a name that I don't think a lot of people know. I, I think it's a name that people just, they really, like, who the heck is this guy? Bellevue grad. Went to Florida State, was a water polo guy down there. I met Silas through the Russell Wilson Passing Academy. Silas was an intern there. Um, as a matter of fact, helped him celebrate his 20th birthday or 21st birthday up in uh, Anchorage, Alaska. It's kind of fun. Um, but Silas eventually came to me and was like, hey, I'd like to get into recruiting. I kind of helped set him up with a couple of things. And he took it and he's run with it. And he has done unbelievable things with it. Now, He's director of player personnel over at Hawaii. These two guys are both, I mean, they have to be under 30, I would think. They both have, I mean, they're young guys, energetic. They interact really well with recruits, which I think is kind of one of the big things. Am I right in saying this is becoming a young man's game as as much as like it has evolved? Or is it just those two guys that I know and see? No, it, it is 100% becoming a young man's game now. At that same time, University of Washington's got Courtney Morgan, who I think is in his late 30s. But you're, you're not, like you said, it's a young man's game. You're seeing guys that are student assistants work their way up, and they're running the personnel department of college programs before they turn 30. And it's, you know, over the last 10, 15 years, we've seen a lot of front offices in the NFL 
kind of go younger, trend to go younger with analytics and baseball. We saw it too, instead of the days of it being kind of the old ball guy, uh, old baseball guy who was looking for a way into the front office, um, didn't want the grind of an everyday season like you know an on-field guy did. You know, baseball started to go trend younger with a lot of the analytics and football's gone that way. So now you're seeing college programs that are bringing in the young energetic guy because the reality is a lot of these player personnel guys those coaches that you think you're texting with or DMing with recruits, a lot of times those are the 25-year-old player personnel guy who is up at 2 in the morning texting you because the old defensive coordinator is laying in bed or you know he's out <laughs> in the back watching film, having a beer. So a lot of these guys are the ones that just from an energy standpoint, they provide the energy and the wherewithal. They aren't allowed to go on the road, so they do everything in-house, and they're able to work those 18 to 20 hours a day. Yeah, and those are the guys, like you said, at 2 a.m., you're getting a text message from, you know, or a DM from one of those coaches, but you're actually getting it from like a personnel guy because that head or that, that line coach or whoever, his alarm clock's going off in two and a half hours. You know, he's going to be in the office at 6 a.m., you know? And, and so that's the, it's, it's just interesting too, because, you know, Marshall and uh, Silas, I don't think either of them played even high school football. If they did, I I don't know about it. They definitely didn't play college football. But they have a an ability to organize everything, to you know recognize talent, and to be able to get in build relationships with these student athletes. And it's it's just it's crazy to me because I you know we hear it all the time with like you know coaches you know oh he didn't even play in the NFL or he didn't do this he didn't do that you know what sometimes it doesn't even freaking matter. Mm-hmm. And 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 you're seeing it now with player personnel, and it's it's just it's kind of a, a an interesting position because, you know, I look at these guys and I and 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 I think to myself like, these are guys that all they did was work really really hard to get where they are. And and we're gonna sit here and 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 try to make things easier on people and and on recruits or you know different. And I'm like, man, sometimes it's just. It's just a matter of hard work, and you got to sacrifice. I know those guys sacrifice things. You know what I mean? I know that those player personnel guys, for a lot of them, if they have a young family or whatever, man, I'm sure they're sacrificing a lot. I mean, it's just it's crazy what goes on with that stuff. But player personnel is one of those interesting positions that, you know, uh, you mentioned Courtney Morgan, who, you know, he has a lot of ties and a lot of good relationships all over the country because of his time at Michigan. And you bring him to the to the University of Washington, and now it's like, hey, let's replicate everything you had going on. And let's do it here, man. It's I mean, it's exciting. What did you say? You said he's in his late thirties, and you called him. You know, we're talking young man's game, and you kind of mentioned him as not being. Hey, I'm 38, guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> what are you trying to say to me here? Well, young in the in the sense that you know we can. Well, I'm in my mid- <laughs> You're calling thanks. me old. I get it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm ancient over here. <laughs> yeah. Well, the fact of the matter is, anybody that saw my picture of me and Scott Enyart from the Bruins game, you know, uh, was it last Thursday? Yeah, there's some gray in the beard. It's been there for a couple of years now. I get it. Like, settle down there. I don't need to be told about it over and over and over again. Um, either way, that director of player personnel position, sometimes I see guys get named to it, and I'm like, who the heck is this guy? And I go look, and it's like, there is no ties to football but I'll tell you what, if he's getting that position, which is a very important position, he's getting it, that, that's somebody that's worked their way up and knows what the heck they're doing. It's it's kind of fun to watch. It's almost a um, – uh, what, what is the word I'm looking for here? Like uh, overlooked position on a coaching staff. You know, fans maybe don't look at the player personnel guy very much. But it's like, who is he? 
how you know what is his, what are his experiences where's he been has he been under good coaches has he been, you know it's pretty cool to watch cuz that position has evolved i mean it has evolved so much what i say what, like 0506 so 15 years let's just say 16 years that position has evolved i mean unbelievably evolved but so is recruiting you and i talk about it a lot where it's like dude what what goes on in recruiting today might not even happen next week exactly you know because recruiting has changed so much, you've seen the importance of positions like that. Yes, exactly. And and being being able to, you know, especially with the director of player personnel, it's not all him. He's got a staff working for him. Completely. And being able to give those guys responsibilities and trusting in them to do the right thing, I mean, it's, it's pretty wild. Those player personnel staffs, if you will, now, because it's almost its own – you know, staff is, uh, is interesting. I, you know, a lot of those guys end up following me on Twitter, different things, and they'll reach out to me and I'll just be like, dude, I'll Google the guy's name. Just be like, what in the world? Like, where did this guy come from? But next thing you know, he's assistant director of player personnel at some school. And you're like, wow, man, good job. Like, you know, work your way up. That's how it works. Um, let's see here really quickly before we go any further. I want to thank Scott Eklund for his time. What's that? Scott Eklund, dogman.com. I want to thank him for his time. As always, hey, it's coming up to uh, NCAA tournament, which is like Scott just loves him some NCAA tournament. So uh, maybe what we'll have to do is either A, there's going to be a week, you know, where you're unavailable, or maybe we just make you unavailable for a week, give you a week off, and we'll have Scott Eklund on to talk about some different things. Um. Kirk Herbstreet potentially uh, headed to Amazon for Thursday night football, uh, but he'll still be able to do the ESPN college football stuff, which is very interesting the way that that worked out in his contract. Um, great work by his agent. Uh, are you are you a Kirk Herbstreet fan? I'm a big Kirk Herbstreet fan I'm a, from a college football standpoint. I'm in the middle of reading his book in the pocket uh, right now. I, I do like Herbstreet, and, and I think you know he's certainly the voice of college football. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, the there was, and, and I think we may have talked about it on here. There was, I don't know, some stupid comments he had like around the Rose Bowl time or something, and I just remember thinking to myself like, ah, he's a little off base there. That being said, when it's Saturday night and you've got Herb Street and uh, is it Fowler, Chris Fowler, yep, yeah, when, like that's college football, man. Like that, it, it, it's it's very much for me. I, I used to love um, uh, Vern Lundquist in. Uh, was it Gary Dan- uh, Gary? What the heck was his name? Danielson? Daniel? Yep, Gary Danielson. Yeah, Gary Danielson. Like I loved hearing those guys, even though you know they did SEC. Um, to me, that was like college football during the day, and then Herb Street is college football at night. You know what I mean? And it's I, I like him. Um, I don't necessarily like the things he says. <laughs> he says a lot. I don't necessarily agree with him all the time. That being said, uh, Amazon's in in an interesting position because apparently it sounds like. Al Michaels is ready to join Amazon, but he wants a good color guy with him. And so they tried to get Aikman, tried to get John Lynch from the 49ers, and they tried to get uh, Sean McVay. They all said no thanks. ESPN went full psycho and apparently gave Aikman $90 million over five years, which is just holy crap. $90 $90 million over five years. He only made, I, I looked it up, he only made like $55 million in his NFL career. I mean, I say only, right? $55 million. <laughs> I'd take that right now uh, to have my brain bash around a little bit. Um, or a lot in his case. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's crazy to think that these announcers now are getting so much money. 
But I also think about it, and I'm like, you know what, though? It's, it's actually a pretty smart investment if you really think about it because there's games that I watch. If I, if I turn on a game and I hear certain announcers, I'll turn it off. Yep. I will absolutely turn it off. I, I won't watch it. Now, if it's the only game on, I'll suffer through it. But there are definitely NFL games where on a, on a Sunday I'll have a game on the TV and if it's the, if it's the only game on at that time, because you know CBS and Fox don't always have two games, you know, game each. I will mute the TV and I'll put on on my computer. I'll put uh, Red Zone, so that I can pay attention to the to one single game and then I can watch Red Zone and pick up all the other stuff with uh, Scott Hansen, who, by mm-hmm. the way, is like talk about like living the dream. What a great job that guy has! Like, <laughs> like that's an awesome gig. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's kind of interesting to, to look at it and. Uh, you know, see what goes on with all of this stuff because if Kirk if Kirk Herbstreet does do and and honestly, I think he's I personally think he's probably using this as leverage to try to get ESPN to pay more. Um, which, by the way, it's also kind of interesting too when you think about this stuff. Like ESPN, we always hear about they're laying off people or they're getting rid of this guy, that guy, whatever it is. Like they're getting rid of some they, over the years. They've gotten rid of some great reporters, people that do awesome things, and then here they are paying ninety million dollars over five years for Monday Night Football. For Monday night football. Like, it's are you insane. kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. It's just insane. But uh yeah, anyway, it's 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 interesting to see the and, and way that's that... just what they're paying to own the rights. That doesn't even cover yeah. the production side of it. You know, and I thought, you know, when COVID hit and teams were you know, or broadcasting teams were doing it either from their, their house or they were doing it from a studio instead of going in person, we might see a downsizing of it. I thought we were having economical issues. And now you're seeing these players or former players being hot commodities and getting paid cash to go call these games. But I thought there was going to be a downsizing. Yeah. So here's something that's, that's actually kind of funny. You mentioned that the Boston Bruins, um, their play-by-play crew is uh, Jack Edwards, who I'm sure, you know, Oh, yeah. um, and I liked Jack Edwards as a kid. I remember Jack Edwards doing little league baseball and I, and I, and I loved it. Um, I thought Jack Edwards was awesome. His dream job is Boston Bruins hockey. He's a, I don't know if he's a Boston guy, but he's a, he's a Northeast native. He has Andy Brickley, um, as color guy. Andy's okay. The combined though, they're the two biggest homers in the NHL and it's hard to watch. Now their broadcasting is owned by NESN, the, I think it's Northeastern Sports Network, mm-hmm. um, and they show all kinds of stuff. NESN does a, a tremendous job as far as like the covering the Bruins and stuff. And I watch their games like, you know, almost night. I watched them last night blow a lead or uh, blow a tie game with like 30 seconds left to the freaking Ducks. Um, <clears throat> that being said, last Thursday when I was at the the game in Seattle, the Edwards and Brickley they're not in. They're not. They were not in Seattle. They're in Boston, and they have not been traveling with the Bruins all season, and it's awful. Listening to Jack Edwards try to call the game while looking at a screen is awful. On Thursday night, against the the Kraken, the fire alarm went off in the in the studio, <laughs> and so they had to evacuate. And when they did, I guess all the Boston fans all of a sudden got uh, John Forslund from the Kraken broadcast on Root Sports. And people were like, some people were pissed because they're like, who the heck is this guy, blah, blah, blah. Everybody that is a real hockey fan knows that Forslund is one of the best in the game. Now, I think his color guy in Seattle is awful, but that's beside the point. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where, like, 
I didn't. A lot of times you can't really tell if somebody is in studio or if they're at the game. I can tell with the Bruins because I I listen to Edwards so much that I can tell that he's slightly delayed on some things and you know when they score a goal or something and he's like oh the Bruins score and he doesn't say who and like five seconds later all of a sudden he's like oh uh, yeah it was Jake DeBrusque like <laughs> it makes it a little obvious but yeah I expected more once it happened with COVID I expected more crews to be at home. I really did, and I'm actually surprised at how many have gone back to being on the road all the time. Um, that being said, there's a definite difference between guys in the studio and guys at the game. Like, it is, yeah. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is a definite difference. Uh, Brandon, we got some pet peeves here to talk about. One. That I'm going to let you kind of take away here. Um, it's been sitting literally like on our docket, if you will, for a couple of weeks now. Calls that could be a text. Mm-hmm. And Pretty I get much. this all the time, and I know you probably get it more than I do, but is it not one of the most annoying things? Like when you think about your phone and having your phone in your hand, calls that could be a text has got to be in like the top three of annoying things that happen. Pretty much every call can be a text, folks, if you really get down to it. But it's the ones that you get that you're in the middle of a conversation. And then don't lie to me and tell me you're driving when you were just sending me like freaking the preamble of the Constitution in the text. So you're either a really dangerous driver or you're a really good texter while you're driving. Or you have but, the greatest talk to text like program ever. Yes, which if you guys have it, our good friend James Christensen at Northwest Ballers, please send him that <laughs> app that you have because – some of the things that James's things transcribed for him, he always laughs because it's like I didn't say that. I don't know where it came from, but I was doing talk to text. I'm like, I don't even know what language you were speaking. Yeah. But but the point is, like, if we're in the middle of a perfectly fine text conversation, don't say, "Oh, I gotta call you." No, you didn't. We were just talking on text. It was so great. Recently, I posted on my Instagram story my power rankings for how to communicate with me, and I stand by said rankings because. They are always going to be valuable. One is text. Two is email. I'm still a big believer in email. Three, DM. 98, skywriting. 99, smoke signal. And 500, I rank a phone call. <laughs> That's so true. Like, oh, Here's the thing. 99% of text of phone calls could be a text. Like, they really could. There are a few times, like, um, I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was with Heaps like last week where he and I were in a, a conversation through text and I don't, and, and he wasn't understanding what I, what I was saying. So I literally called him. I was like, Hey, this is what I'm trying to say right now. And we were off the phone within five minutes and it mm-hmm. probably saved us a lot of back and forth and being confused. <clears throat> so there are very few times where I will do that. But as a whole, like I'll get phone calls from somebody. I'll look at it and be like, Oh my God, like I know what you want to talk about. And all you have to do is send me a text saying, you know, with a yes or no. And I can give it to you. Like, why ruin the moment with a phone call? Yes, especially when I'm trying to watch a YouTube video about how ice hockey rinks are made. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have right. time for that. Like, right. just just send it to me. This is, I can. Like, I love those uh, how it's made shows, and and they and they have a lot of like shorts. You know, like 
it, instead of showing the whole thing, it's like, hey, let's show a two and a half minute clip about how it's made, abbreviated, you know, almost in a way. Um, the other thing we want to talk about is pet peeves, tweets, and and this is going to be. Well, let me see here. One, two. Yeah, pretty much all of these are aimed at recruits. Okay. Brandon, I have four things about tweets from recruits that drive me absolutely up a wall. That's it. I didn't give them to you at all. Um, nope. And before we even get started, I'm going to add a fifth one, and we don't need to talk about it because we've talked about it a lot. Student athletes, your parents should not be running your Twitter. I feel like maybe we should say this at the beginning of every podcast from now on. Mm-hmm. We can't say it enough. There was another uh, DM I got just yesterday where I instantly thought to myself, this is 100% not the athlete. And then I looked, and you can tell it wasn't the athlete running their Twitter account. And honestly, I might just start blocking people. On, it's on a side note, I saw a, a back east, an eighth grader, announced his commitment to a high school. And it was clear that the parent ran the tweet because he said, after my family and I have gained long-lasting relationships – Man, you're 13 years old. You don't even know what the hell a long-lasting relationship is, let alone to tweet about it. So, Dad, get off your son's Twitter. Yeah. Well, and, a, <laughs> you know, Brandon, I saw something the other day. It's a, a camp coming to town, and it's it's not one that you and I are, are even talked about last week, uh, National Preps, if you want to look into it. There's one. <laughs> There's one that I saw that was advertising class of 2022 to class of 2027. And then it said college fair, meet and greet with coaches. 2027. So kids that are going into the eighth grade need to be meeting with college coaches. Get out of here. Uh, Get out of here. It's not going to be big schools because big schools can't be on the road for, you know, another two months. And this isn't at a four-year university. So it's not going to be the D1s. So all you're doing is getting D2 potentially. D2s can probably show up to something like that. D3s, NAIAs, yeah, they could be there. But... Come on, like, what are we doing? Why, why are we advertising to kids that haven't even stepped on a high school field yet? I mean, 2026 and 2027, they have not done anything in high school. 2025, uh, I would say, what, 90% of them have not? Because mm-hmm. how many, I don't know about you, but I feel like there was fewer freshmen playing varsity last football season than we've seen and in the last like, 10 years. Less that were impact. Freshman. Yes, that too. Like, I actually looked at the class of 20. We, we've got some 20. What do I have here? 2023? Yeah, 2023, five names coming up here in a little bit. And what I actually looked at 2025 just to be like, oh, you know what? Are there some kids we could talk about there? I looked at it. I was like, you know what? No, I don't want to talk about any of these guys. Um, but yeah, so tweets. I've got four things. I didn't tell you what they are. So I want to get like your initial reaction to them, and you can expand on it a little bit also, I'm sure, because I'm sure you're going to agree with all four of these things. And we've kind of like maybe talked just a tiny bit about all four of these at different points, and we've never really gone into it. So four things to talk about here. The first one, typing out names in the tweet instead of tagging them in the picture. It drives me nuts. You get 10 names to tag in a picture. It's not hard. You hit the little button that says who's in this picture. You type in their name. You select Brandon Huffman. You select me. You select whoever else you're going to put in it. Instead of, hey, blessed to receive an offer from Portland State, and then typing our names into it. Why does it drive me nuts? I have no idea. But it drives me nuts. Why can't we just tag people in it? It looks a lot cleaner. It's very easy to do. I don't get it. I don't know why athletes do it. Can we just learn how to use Twitter for like a few minutes? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I use that when I write a story. I will tag up to 10 people in it. Maybe it's a good story and I want more people to tag, so I might have to put a few names, but use a graphic. Did you know that you're going to have an expanded viewership on your tweets if you include an actual embedded graphic rather than just the graphic that's pulled from the story? Fun fact, kids, for those of you that are trying to gain more followers, do that. You're going to make it look clean and you might attract more eyeballs. When, okay, so <clears throat> the example to use there is and, and and I've talked to Tyler Anderson about this. Last night he tweeted a video from his uh, from Whatcom Preps about the WFL draft that he and I did just a for fun thing. It's I'm the Cougars, he's the Wranglers. We're trying to figure out you know who who would win this you know fictional game. He tweeted the link, and so it came up with the picture uh-huh. instead of posting a picture and then putting the link within the tweet. The problem is when I quote tweet it. That picture doesn't show up because it is a link. If you put the actual picture in there and I quote tweet it, hi, <laughs> hello, there it is right there. When you're scrolling through a timeline and you see a picture, your eyes are instantly drawn to it. Instantly mm-hmm. drawn to it. You're going to get more reactions. You're going to get more interact. Everything. It's all going to be right there. You just have to do it. You know, can, can we just do it? Can we just tag people in the actual picture itself? Yep. Now, when talking about those pictures, this is my next one. Can we crop screenshots? Mm. It's not hard. Mm-hmm. You're you're an iPhone guy, right? I'm an iPhone guy. So what does it take to crop an iPhone picture? About 14 seconds. Yes. And I would say on Android, 14, it's about 14 seconds. <laughs> it's not hard. It's not hard. Why, why is it so difficult to crop screenshots? Like, I don't need all the extra stuff at the bottom. Like, I've seen, I've seen some people that... Um, you know, like they Google search, you know, UW or whatever. They Google search it, and then they take a screenshot of it, and it's like there's all the Google search at the bottom, and you're just like, guy, guy, it takes like 10 seconds to do. This isn't difficult. Uh, using logos with a checkerboard transparent background. So this is now expanding almost on the cropping of screenshots. <laughs> so you take a screenshot of the University of Washington, the W logo, and it's got the checkerboard behind it, and then... You know, maybe they even crop it, right? They crop it to where it's just that checkerboard. No, save the picture. I don't know what it. I don't know what it takes on uh, on an iPhone, but on Android, you hold your thumb on the picture for like two seconds and then hit download, and that's it. It. it I mean, it could take maybe five seconds at most. S- learn to save the picture. Why is it that difficult? Like, I just don't understand that. It's not difficult. Is on the, going back to the screenshot. It's then when then somebody else will then screenshot that screenshot. Now you have like the ninth generation of the screenshot. <laughs> where it's like, I don't even know what you're tweeting because you grained the picture so badly. It's so pixelated. <laughs> and, and, and that's especially funny when they do that and they don't take the time to actually crop. So then you get the other person's name at the top of it also. <laughs> it's just it's insane. And my last one, get the school's name right. University of Washington, not Washington University. That's in what, Missouri or something? Uh, University of Washington State. I see that one. Or um, what's the one? uh, I've seen University of Ohio State. I saw that one like a few weeks ago, and I'm just like, oh, my Lord. Guy, go to Google. Type in, you know, Washington State Cougars and see what comes up. It's probably going to say Washington State University. Washington State University gets that a lot. The University of Washington State. Go Cougars. Yes. That one, like, honestly, it's probably the one that happens the most. 
why can't we just – I mean, just Google search it. Make sure you're right before you do it because you look like a friggin' idiot if you, if you don't. I mean, it's just – it's not hard. Not to mention, if I'd be willing to bet if you went to a lot of college coaches, like if you go to their Twitter bio or whatever, it probably even says, like, you know, linebacker coach at Washington State University. Like, it probably does. It's probably right there. It's really easy to do. Those four things are probably the four things that drive me the most crazy on Twitter. Anything else you got as far as that goes? Well, the screenshot thing has always been just comical. Like, how bad is, you know, just look at the picture. You know, I have guys that I work with that when they take headshots, I'm like, have you thought about going to getting a vision test here in the last couple weeks? (laughs) Why? Because if you looked at your picture after you cropped it on Photoshop and thought that was the best version of it, I worry about your eyesight. And those are guys that I work Those are old guys that aren't very computer savvy. Young people, you guys are technically savvy. Stop screenshotting pictures. And then the other thing is, and here, here's the one thing, like, again, it goes back to, and I've, I've brought this one up, let's just run on Twitter rants. You do not need to tag a person that you beat in a rep and then think that that's a good idea. Yeah. I, I saw it happen last week. You know, Marquand McCraney, who got an offer from Callahan Washington last week, there was an article that, or there was a tweet about his offer and then a parent tweeted, oh, you know, God bless him. I'm praying for his continued success. And then he said, he made sure to include a picture of his son mossing what he thought was Mark Paul McCraney, but then it wasn't even Mark Paul McCraney in the picture. So, again, <laughs> parents, if you're going to try to, like, ruin a kid's moment by hijacking it, make sure you have the right freaking player in it. But don't even do that. That's stupid. Like, you're you're – you insult the people that you're trying not to. You're now, I see this all the time, kid gets an offer and then a, a player will go on and talk ish to him. And I'm like, okay, you just probably got yourself removed from that respective school's recruiting board as a result of being a dummy. Yeah, and the other the other one that I hate is, and I don't remember who it was recently, and it might have even been Marquand. There was a kid that got an offer recently and um, you, know, you and I were tagged in it. And when... When I looked at some of the responses, there was like two or three kids that put their their huddle in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> did you see my legendary, very very legendary tweet? One of my most favorite moments of my tweeting career was about ten days ago. I was in Las Vegas, and there was a brewery there called Huddle Brewing. Yes, yes. And I tweeted, "I'm going. I'm going back to find the tweet right now." But I tweeted. All right, about to spend some time looking at Huddle all afternoon. And it was a picture of my flight. Yeah, and it said Huddle on the side of the beer, right? All Yes. I still had probably eight to ten kids drop their Twitter, drop their Huddle into the Twitter. And, like, guys. Read the room, guys. Read the room, guys. Now, I will give credit. I'm going to give a shout-out here to a young man named Sam Keen, who looks like he's from Oregon, who tweeted – Hey, give me a look. And then he said, sorry, I may have missed the joke, but that sure, certainly shouldn't stop you from watching my highlight anyway. At least he acknowledged he missed the joke. And I watched the young man's Twitter as a result of that. All right, his huddle as a result of that. Yeah. yeah Got to give him credit. He At least he uh, yeah. he, he knew that he was wrong. You know but what I mean? Like Friday afternoon when I'm sitting down to look at huddle, which is four beautiful flights where I had a second flight afterwards. And then, of course, when you have – flights and then they have a taco stand out in front that's a very just dangerous thing but blair angula and i wanted to support the local economy so we had more tacos i'm not watching your huddle i'm looking at the huddle in front of me yes and it's it's just so funny because all they did was they read huddle they didn't actually look at the picture 
to realize, oh, hey, it says huddle on the side of those beers. Is that in the name of the brewery? Like, uh, you know, I think I commented on, on Facebook, maybe it was, where I was like, wow, I can't believe that a highlight video company is selling beer now. Um, and I looked it up. It's Kate Eldridge. The huddle I watch makes me want to drink. Yes. Uh, there's a, a Kate Eldridge announced uh, an offer from the University of Nevada, and I look, and here's a kid, and I don't know where he's from, but it says class of 2023. Here's his height and weight, and then it says, uh, and another one that you and I hate. It says fastest first step in the state. Mm-hmm. Awesome. After timing all those first steps. Yes, it went through huddle and literally timed every first step of every kid in whatever state this dude lives in, but I'm not even going to look it up. Like, I'm not going to watch his film. Um, that being said, we got five names to talk about here before we get out, and the first one on the list is literally Mr. Kate Eldridge, the one that we were just talking about there. Kate Eldridge, six foot four and a half, two 235 pounds out of Linden Christian High School. All of these names today are going to be in the 2023 class, um, who was just recently updated, so um, some guys got some more stars, different things, whatever it is. Um, some guys maybe got less stars. I ain't gonna, hmm. But um, Kate Eldridge offers from Colorado State, Nevada, and Washington State, playing at a very small school up in Linden, Washington, 1A powerhouse. They are. Um, he was our, what was he, lineman of the year? Underclassman of the year on Cascadia Preps this last season. Kate Eldridge is a very intriguing prospect. At six foot four, two hundred and thirty-five pounds, he probably projects highest on the defensive side of the ball. There's some intriguing offensive capabilities to this young man. He even moved and played running back for his team last year uh, after there was an injury to a kid who was actually pretty dang good himself. That being said, Brandon, when you look at a guy like Kate Eldridge, do you see him on offense or defense? Defense, clap, clap, defense. <laughs> See, and I, this is a conversation that I've had numerous times. I've had it on with you, but I've been like this for the last decade. West Coast kids want to play offense. They just love to play offense, and I think it's part of it because 7-on-7 seven seven is so big out here. But, guys, go to a football camp. Go to a college camp. I went to the Sac State Mega Camp last summer. I In the senior session, I saw probably 80 receivers and about 12 DBs. And those DBs got a lot of work. And it was hot. They were taking rest. But more DB offers out went out than receiver offers. Meaning, a lot of kids want to play offense, but go play defense. And, and I think Cade, you know, he's not one of those that's stubborn saying, I'm playing offense. He's got the athleticism to play on either side of the ball, and he's open to it. But I like him long-term as an edge guy. And I think defense is his move in the future. I mean, Jaden Wayne's another guy who goes out and plays tight end. We used to see it with JT Tuimolo out on the top, on the seven on seven yeah. circuit, but those guys know that they're defensive guys, and I think Cade knows that too. But I can also see the ability and the athleticism there. Why schools are recruiting him for offense? I just think his long term ceiling is best going to be reached on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, he's a guy that um, projects highest on defense, but also pro- projects pretty damn high on offense too. I mean, it's not like it's not like a Mecca Buka who. Could have been an NFL guy probably on either side of the ball. Yeah, go play offensive Mecca. Yeah, go shoot, go play whatever side your heart desires in that instance because you're going to be a potential NFL guy on either side. That being said, with Kate Eldridge, there's something intriguing about his offensive capabilities. I mean, I could see him as like one of those H-backs, tight end types that he's just – He's kind of a freak, and you know it's it's really interesting to watch him. I saw him twice last year. Um, one time I was down on the field watching him up close because I just needed to get a real you know look at him and the way that he moves. And then the other time was up in the stands, and I watched him break off a couple of really long runs where you're like, 
dude, there's something about this kid when he's got the ball in his hands that I like. But that being said, to me, he's a he's like a buck. He's a guy that's going to come off the edge and he's going to be really strong at the point of attack. You watch his film, he's in the backfield a lot. Mm-hmm. He is in the backfield. I mean, granted, and and we all know it's 1A football. 1A football is very good, especially up in Whatcom County. People don't give it the credit up there. <clears throat> but there's the also – With Kate Eldridge now being an FBS recruit, that now means that all four schools in that league – Five will have now. at least an FCS player in the last five years. Yeah, well, and it's crazy because it's it insane. is so – Whatcom County as a whole is overlooked. Do you remember we went to that Meridian uh, – Nooksack, yeah. Game? I mean, how many times – for somebody who goes as many high school games as you go to and as many small school games, have you ever been to a game where both quarterbacks were going – at a 1A school where both quarterbacks were going to Division One programs? Yeah, I mean, it happens – it happens a lot, say, or maybe a lot more at the 4A, 3A level, occasionally at the 2A. But when you're talking 1A, if you're talking about 1A football and you, you've got a matchup of two teams that each have a Division One, you know, or even an FBS player, it's most likely going to be on the line. You're most likely going to have some, you know, six-foot, well, Kyle Cox, right, and Tristan Lewis down there at Eatonville. Kyle Cox just picked up the offer from um, uh, Montana State. Those two guys, six foot four, six foot five, six foot six, whatever they are, at one A schools is crazy. Now, granted, Eatonville is basically a two A school; they really are. But that being said, they're it's one A football. So when they play other teams, when they play a um, you know maybe in a non league in Napa Vine or something, yeah, they would have had you know FB, potential FBS against potential. But at quarterback, <laughs> yeah, that just did not happen. And that's that's why you were up there, I was up there, uh, Heaps was up there with me. Um, and Tyler Anderson even came out that night, and Tyler still talks about that night because he was like, "Dude, I got to meet Brandon Huffman, Ryland Spencer, and Jake Heaps." And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know that I'd go that order with those, but uh, okay." <clears throat> um, anyway, Kate Eldridge definitely a name to keep an eye on because he is he's really really talented. Um, the next one in line, a, a name that kind of popped up on a lot of radars for people, Roman Hutchinson, and this is a six foot two, hundred and seventy five pound safety uh, prospect out of Federal Way High School. We talk a lot, and we've talked a lot about Federal Way and 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 the guys that they have. And I'm not even going to mention them. I don't even want to mention them because we're talking Robin Hutchinson here, a guy that nobody else was talking about. Arizona offers him. He's got Boise State, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, a list of schools talking to him. But Arizona. The Wildcats come in and offer him. Brandon, what can you tell me about Roman Hutchinson? Well, what I like about him is that he's got a real high upside there. I think this is his first year playing football. He's more of a track guy and a hooper. And you watch some of his hoop film, and the kid's got some juice. He's got some burst, some explosiveness. And he's still pretty raw to the game, yet really took it. I love, I love watching his film. He's got some range. He's got some ball skills to him. Uh, talking to Marcus Izagiri over there at Federal Way, you know, he's got a very talented secondary with him, with Andre Piper Jordan, with Rashawn Clark, and then Jalen Jenkins as well. Uh, but he was giddy talking about Roman just because of the upside there and how new to football he is. But with that burst and athleticism in hoops, I think that can really translate well out of the football field. Here's the crazy thing. All four of those guys in one defensive backfield. We could be talking about the most talented defensive backfield, I'm going to say it since Bellevue in 2012-13 range. Now, you remember, yeah. they had a lot of guys that win Division One there. They had, obviously, Buda, uh, Isaiah Gilchrist in 2013 would have been, I believe, a sophomore. Um, 
and and they had a couple other guys, Ryan Gilchrist, uh, Ross Connors. They had guys like they had dudes that went to Division One schools. A bunch of them. Mm-hmm. This one is wow. I mean, wow. Very very intriguing. What's going on down there? Next guy to talk about on this list. Now, is it Leo or Leo? We'll call him Leo. Yeah, we'll call him Leo because I think it might be Leo. <laughs> but and this is where I'll I'll message him and, and find you know like have him say his name for me. Leo Pulalasi, athlete out of uh, Lakes High School down in Lakewood, six one two oh five, listed as a three star. Colorado State, Nevada, and Portland State have now offered. Uh, first off, what side of the ball do you see him on? Where do you see him projecting as far as position goes? And uh, where do you think his ceiling is? I think he, you know, he's being recruited largely as a kind of a power back, kind of a short yardage back. I think he could be a hell of a linebacker or a safety. Uh, you know, rather than remember going out to Enumclaw when Lakes played Enumclaw yes. and Devin Nafoa Masoy hurt his knee. And Leo had to play quarterback pretty much the entire second half as Lakes was still waiting for Justin Brennan to get back. And, you know, he, he was admirable there. You know, he it was obviously they were going wildcat with him back there. He did make a couple of throws, but he can run the ball. He can run the rock. And I just think he's a he's a football player. You know, he, he's one of those guys that his offers are coming mostly for offense, kind of as an H back, um, maybe a power back, even maybe a flex. But I would love to see him play a little bit of linebacker safety. I'm going to throw a name back here for the old school players. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Mane Manea over yeah. at least about 10, 11 years ago, who played on both sides of the ball. Manea was a little bit overshadowed at the time by Zachary Banner and uh, Cedric Dozier. But he could make plays on either side of the ball. And I, I like that with Leo. So that's what we have him listed as an athlete. Yeah, he kind of reminds me, like, when you look at, like, the way that he plays and stuff, there's, there's like, he and Isaiah Carlson, I think, are very um, <laughs> similar, if you will. Um, he's intriguing. He's very intriguing. That game you mentioned out there at Enumclaw, that was, what was it, like, week two or week three? It was early, very early in the season. And, um, yeah, when, when Devin went down, it was like, well, geez, what are they going to do here? And I'll tell you what, the, the combination of, of uh, he and uh, Kamari Washington in the backfield was – it was very, very good. Like, it was working. Um, but I don't think you want him playing quarterback, <laughs> even yeah. if you're going wildcat. But uh, as a whole, yeah, he's he's an intriguing prospect. I know you and I were both like, hey, this kid is actually pretty dang good when we were out there. Somebody to keep an eye on. Speaking of keeping an eye on, and, and this guy's hard to miss because he is a large, large individual, uh, Nathan Pritchard out of Auburn Riverside High School down in Auburn, obviously. Six foot five, 285 pounds now. He has offers. Colorado State, Nevada, Utah State. Six foot five is kind of like that tweener almost in a way. Is he a guard? Is he a tackle? We have him listed as a tackle. Do you think he has the ability to play inside, or do you think he's strictly an outside guy, or where do you see him going? I think he can play tackle. I think that that's going to be a, a position that he can play at the next level. He was, I think, top three in the state in the heavyweight division as a wrestler. You know, the, the, the thing about Nate and, you know, my son and him and played baseball together growing up. He lives down the street from me. The nicest kid in the world. I mean, just a great kid who just, you can't help but be in a good mood when he's around. He's like Malik Ogbo, maybe not as gregarious a personality as Malik, but just always got a smile on his face. And I asked him last summer, I'm like, you know, he's the youngest of three boys. And I said, you know, I just, I want to see that nasty streak out there. I'm like, didn't you get beat up as a kid? And he said, well, no, because I was always bigger than my brothers. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, that, that could explain why they didn't mess with you, especially now that you're way bigger than them. But you know, he really turned it on 
this year. In fact, I, I think it was the Riverside Mountain View game where I was up there watching it just as a dad. And you were on the field yes. and texted me after he obliterated a guy on a, on a touchdown. Yeah, it was a run. touchdown run, and he just yeah. absolutely smoked some dude. And sophomore year, Nate might not have done that, but junior year, Nate started to become play with that bigger, nasty streak. And I, I think he's right on the cusp. Like right now, you know, this 2020 off, or this 2023 offensive line class in the state, you know, isn't as talented in terms of that top end talent of what last year's was with the Connor Lees, the Abbos, the Dave Ayulis. But, you know, right now, it's kind of a clear hierarchy with Micah Banuelos, Landon Hatchet, and Heath Ozeta as the top linemen in the state. But, it will not surprise me if come fall, Nate Pritchard is closer to that group than kind of leading that second group of guys. I think he might have the most upside of any of these guys, largely just from a physical standpoint as a tackle. You know, where Micah and Lander are probably going to both end up inside. He's definitely a tackle. But I think as Nate continues to get out there and really get out in front of these college coaches, I remember last summer we were at the PLU Showcase. A couple of the Pac-12 schools were keeping a close eye on him. I think he's right on the cusp of that first Pac-12 offer, but I think once he gets that first Pac-12 offer, he will have multiple Pac-12 offers to, to choose from. I know Greg Hurd there at Riverside is super excited about his continued upward mo uh, movement there, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what Nate can do come his senior season. Yeah, the, the thing that's interesting, and you mentioned kind of like the recruiting class as a whole at, at, on the offensive line, I think there may be more talent overall. Um, like, I think it might be deeper on the offensive line. But you're right. That top tier doesn't have as many guys. Right. That top tier that had all those FBS guys, I mean, even down to, like, Avin Cheech. Um, you mentioned um, Ayuli and those guys. Uh, Vega Iwane. Like, yeah. That top tier, maybe there won't be as many FBS guys this year. But there is a ton of talent on the offensive line. I mean, you mentioned, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier Kyle Cox and, and uh, Tristan Lewis. Um, there's a kid out at, at Kennewick, Ashton Tripp, six foot seven, yeah. 280 pounds or something. Uh, he is a, I mean, he's just huge. And Pritchard is that guy that it's like, is he top tier? Is he that second group? I'll tell you what, he's making a move. You could very well argue he is the best tackle in the state. Um you know, because like like you mentioned, with like Banuelos is going to go inside. You know, it, it's he's intriguing. He's really, really intriguing, and he is he's fun to watch. I, I you said it, kind of hoping is he gonna is he gonna become that just pissed off mean dude? And in that game against Mountain View, when he smoked that dude, I was just like, oh my lord! And I know James Christensen got a good video of it over at NW Ballers. He lit that dude up, and it was one of those ones where it was almost like uh, that video of Trent Williams with the 49ers where he just absolutely destroyed that dude. I think it was from – it was a guy from the Buccaneers maybe um, where it was like, yeah, sure, the guy maybe didn't see it coming, but it didn't matter because he came in full speed and the pop of the pads. <laughs> oh, my goodness, I loved it. Uh, last one on our list today, out of Vancouver, Washington, the southwestern part of the state. Mountain View High School head coach, uh, oh, now his name escapes me. Uh, Adam Matheson, love him. Six foot one, 180 pound cornerback Kyle Chen offers Colorado, Minnesota, Penn State. I think when I mean we talk about the 2023 DBs a lot, and there's a lot of talent here. Chen is a name that I don't know that very many people in the state of Washington know. Brandon, what can you tell me about him? 
Yeah, I think, again, because he is down in Vancouver, he may be in a lot of the, the average fans' minds, out of sight, out of mind. He's been a guy that we've had ranked on 24-7 for a year. Love what I've seen from him. I like his ability to play corner. I think he can go play safety. He got his first offer from Penn State. Uh, took an unofficial visit out there in January. Was offered by Colorado. Demetrius Martin offered him. And now Demetrius Martin is at the DB coach at Oregon. He's recruiting him. Just got an offer from Minnesota. Minnesota has been... Kind of an intriguing school in the Northwest the last couple of years. Got Jacob Schuster there uh, two years ago outside of the Pac-12's grips. And then darn near flipped Vega Ione from Washington. So yeah. the Gophers trying to make a little bit of a push there, making this offer to, to Kyle Chan. Uh, again, a guy I like a lot um, as a, just a defensive back. Can play corner, can play safety, can play nickel. Very versatile player. And, you know, there's two legit Division One defensive backs in the Vancouver area between Kyle Chan and Jonathan Landry. Yeah, I remember when he was a freshman, I remember Coach Matheson saying, hey, I got a guy here that you, you're going to want to watch. And I remember looking at his film going, yeah, yeah, this is a guy. <laughs> like this is, a, this is a guy. Like, my goodness. Like, where the heck did this guy come from? Um, he, is, he is intriguing. He is really, really intriguing. Um, I, th- I, think, I think he hit the nail on the head kind of like he's going to play defensive back. Which position he plays, maybe not sure, because I think he could be really good at both. You know, he's got the body to, to, to play a safety, almost like a Taylor Rapp in a way. You know what I mean? And yep. he's, he's fast. He's really, really fast. I think it's really cool to see, like, Minnesota and Penn State recruiting the state of Washington. Like, Minnesota. What? Why is hey, Minnesota coming out here? I love so, it. Speaking of which, uh, this weekend we had a reunion tour of war. It was not the entire war team because some of those young men were playing basketball around the Tacoma Dome, but – the war team of the great – I mean, you and I joke whenever we see Josh Wood's moms posting yeah. a picture of those teams. and you, I mean, like, all those guys look the exact same, but like a foot taller and 50 pounds heavier. Except for Juice. But, except for Juice. <laughs> Juice looks like – and he's always got that goofy look on his face. Yeah. Uh, Rob Mason was coaching him. Uh, but you had Andrew Savanaya out there, you know, headed to Florida. And, and, again, to me, with Florida – this year, we already know that this is a talented group, but – this 2022 class, the eclecticness of where guys were headed, Florida, Penn State, you know, like I said, Minnesota, you had, you know, obviously guys are going to Ohio State in the last couple of classes. Even Boise Fresno State, State. Fresno State. Fresno yeah. State has not gotten a ton of guys out of They've gotten guys here or there over the years, but not a, not a ton of them. No, and now the two guys running their offense, you know, besides the head coach, are Washington natives themselves and Kirby Moore and Pat McCann. But got a chance to see uh, Keegan McQueen head to Nevada, Denzel Boston headed uh, to Washington. Andrew just looks as big of a freak as he's always looked, <laughs> headed to Florida. Deshaun Misa headed to Boise State. And they'll be back at full strength when basketball season ends with Josh Wood and uh, the like of the juice, who was one of my all-time favorite kids to watch play seven-on-seven seven over the years. Uh, GK, Josh Wood doing everything he can to be the state athlete of the year, what he's doing on the basketball court after what he did on the football field. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind. Like, if we don't have that award with Cascadia Preps, but if we were giving out, like, a just overall athlete of the year in our in the state of Washington, it's Josh Wood, and it's honestly not even close. Yeah. I mean, it just is. The, Graham Kapowson, I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong here, pretty sure they've never been to the Tacoma Dome. No. And so for him to to – be the guy to do that while also leading them to a state championship. You see that happen. You see that happen at the one a level, like um, a couple, this was, I don't know, probably like 2014 or so in that range. Brady Widener was the one a state player of the year in basketball and in football. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Josh Wood's going to be the one A state or the four A state player of the year in basketball. I don't know enough about basketball to really honestly talk about it or give a crap. But the fact that Josh has taken his team not only to the state tournament in football, where they won a state championship and the Geico Bowl, but now he's taken a school that had never been in the in the Tacoma Dome before and gotten them there. That's unbelievable. It really and is. Like that does throwing it down. Like there was a video from the other night of him throwing it down with a massive dunk. Yeah, and it's it's crazy too. Like this guy could maybe be even a Division One player in basketball. Like well, he had ba- he had Big Sky basketball. Oh, that's right, he did. I totally forgot about that. Like it's just it's crazy to think about how this is a kid that you know going into his junior year, out like this is let's say they had played a normal fall junior year. Going into that going into that junior year, I knew who I knew his name. I didn't know a damn thing about him other than he was a good athlete because he had yet to see the varsity field, you know, then now here we are talking about him potentially being like the best athlete in this recruiting class in general, you know, like it's just, it's, it truly is crazy. Well, I mean, still love you, Jackson. Sorry. Yeah. Well, and, um, and Braden Smith. Well, and I, and I say that and Josh Connerly's out there, you know, just dominating people on the basketball court too. Like, but that's not fair. Josh is Josh is out there like Xavier McDaniel on Pro versus Joe's, where he's just like throwing people around. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's it really is crazy. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where I, I wish Josh still had another year left in because he's going to go to Fresno State, and then you know I don't get enough I don't get to watch enough college football to <laughs> to get to watch him. You know what I mean? But hopefully, what happens is they find a way to have Fresno State play a game here in Seattle, and I can go to that one and get to, get to see him. That's all I got, Brandon. You got anything else? I got nothing else. I've had a great time having this discussion today. Got passionate about some things, and now I'm really craving some uh, tagalong. <laughs> I was gonna say, only thing I can think about right now is while this this audio is compressing and everything and rendering, I'm gonna have to go get some Girl Scout cookies. Like I hope there's a couple of girls that are skipping school to sell up at Safeway by my house because I need a box of tagalongs right now. Listen, I'm not saying that when you were sharing your Twitter uh, pet peeves that I walked out while you were talking to go grab a couple. <laughs> I'm also not not saying I didn't walk out during that time. Here's a, here's a quick story before we go. There, a couple of years ago, um, I had ordered some Girl Scout cookies from like my friend's daughter or something, and it and it was online. And so they, you know, I paid for shipping or whatever, had it sent to my house, and. It showed that it was here, and I looked outside, and it was nowhere to be found. So I just, I'm like, well, shoot, I got jacked. Like somebody stole, it. which doesn't happen at my house because I live so far down this driveway, right? So I'm like, huh, weird. So I wrote, I wrote the Girl Scouts, and was like, hey, you know, this is what happened. They were like, oh, we're sorry to hear about that. We'll send you more. And I'm like, okay, great, thank you. And like a week later, it's not there. Mm. And I'm like, what in the world? So I hit him up again. I was like, hey, I, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what is going on. Is there like a way for you? Like, I'll pay extra. Like, is there a way for you guys to, you know, send these cookies with like, you know, got a sign for it or something? <laughs> and the lady goes, um, she says, I can do it one more time, but, you know, we can't do that. Da, da, da. And I was like, okay, well, you know, sorry. It's, it's not a big deal. Don't send them. Well, they sent them anyway. And. Again, they don't show up, and I'm like, "What in the world?" Like, whatever. At that point, I'm like, "All right, I'm, I'm, I'm too fat. Like, I shouldn't do this anyway." All of a sudden, my neighbor comes over to my house with three giant boxes of Girl Scout cookies. 
I felt so bad that I like robbed the Girl Scouts of like multiple things of cookies. Like I felt so bad about it. The next the next year, I'm at a Thunderbirds game, and, the, and there was a bunch of Girl Scouts on the on the concourse. And I went up to them and I was like, "Hey, can I get a couple of boxes?" And I gave them like I gave them like forty dollars for like two mm. boxes because I felt so bad about it. Like. Sure. I robbed the Girl Scouts of all these extra cookies. I totally didn't mean to, but it was like, what am I supposed to do at that point? Turn around and ship them back? Like, <laughs> now, I didn't eat them all myself for those. Like, yeah, I'm fat, but I did not eat. I think there was like four boxes or something, like in each one of them. I did not eat them all. I gave them away to family. Like, But it was, I, I have to admit, the fact that they even sent me extra was pretty surprising. It really yep. was in this day and age because most, most people would be like, well, I'm sorry, but it is what it is. You know, yeah. like not much yeah, we can do not. about it. Got to give the Girl Scouts credits. They know their uh, they know their clientele. I mean, yeah. that right there keeps me around probably for the rest of my life. That being said, uh, I have yet to buy Girl Scout cookies this year, so I can be bought. Hmm. Uh, what did Kevin Malone say in the office? Wined and dined and 69 I don't know about that. But I could be bought. So if anybody out there is looking for uh, some Girl Scout cookies to be uh, bought, I'm the guy. As the great philosopher Ted DiBiase once said, every man has a price. Yes. Although I think he was talking about for himself, um, like but buying still. other people. He was a great character, though, the old, the old Ted, Di- Ted DiBiase. Oh, there's not guys like that now in the WWE, if you will, because it's become entertainment now as much as it used to be a soap opera. He's Brandon Huffman. Avery Huffman, DIPG Foundation, Avery Strong, DIPG.org, and Avery Strong, DIPG on all social medias. I'm Rylan Spencer from Cascadia Preps. What's that? Cascadia Preps, Jim, every week. Uh, You've been listening to Huffman and Spencer here on Cascadia Preps Radio. We will talk to you next week.